Hey guys, welcome to Let's Fucking Talk. I'm Lauren, and I am floating on a cloud of happiness. I <laughs> just finished recording this episode, so I'm doing the intro afterwards. Um, so I have a very special guest on. This is someone that I've been following on Instagram since my return to Instagram. Um, I talk about it more in the episode, but there was a point in time where I did not have social media. And when I came back to social media, I had to be very careful about who I followed for my mental health. And this is someone who, especially over the last few months of, really over the last almost a year now, of my weight loss journey has been a really impactful and positive person to see on social media. So her name is Sam. She has her master's in kinesiology and sports nutrition, and she is a virtual lifestyle coach. Um, Oh my, Sage just closed my closet door because she's a wild animal. Sage. Anyways, she, um, at the end of the episode, she, um, plugs all of her social media so you will get that. I will obviously tag her in um, the post that I share on my story as well so you guys will able to uh, be able to check her out. But this was truly an amazing conversation about so many different topics uh, regarding uh, weight, nutrition, fitness, self-love, boundaries, mental wellness. It was such a good conversation and I know you guys will enjoy it and that's it. I can't wait to hear some feedback. Enjoy. Hi Sam. Hi Lauren. How's it going? Oh you know just chilling in my closet. (laughs) I love how many people I've brought into their closet. I feel like we don't spend enough time in there. It's a room that barely gets used. (laughs) I know. I'm looking around and I'm like, well, I don't use that anymore. I haven't worn that in years. You see, it's good to hang out in your closet for an hour sometimes. It's stimulating my need to get rid of some stuff. There you go. Love it. So I spoke to you a couple days ago. So just for listeners, um, my personal history with social media and the fitness world is that at one point I actually deleted all of my social media and did not have social media for about three years. And one of the biggest reasons behind it was that uh, fitness accounts were making me like mentally ill, which is really silly and embarrassing to admit, but it is true. And like I told you a couple days ago, you are one of three fitness accounts that I now follow. So I'm very careful with what I, what rabbit holes I go down, who I follow and how they make me feel. And you're someone who does focus on health and nutrition and fitness, but in a way that I think is so healthy mentally. So I think it's really important that 
more people follow people like you and just get to learn a little bit about you and understand the real struggles of the industry that you're in. So I kind of want to start from the beginning with you. As a woman, I'm curious when you first remember dealing with body image issues the first time you dieted, because when you speak to women, you'd be shocked when they say, oh, I was 10 when I first took a diet pill. So what has that been like for you from a young age? Yeah, well, first off, thank you. That's so nice to hear, especially having been in this industry for so long and wanting originally to be a part of that cliche fit model type kind of vibes. I've always, I wanted that when I first started and I'm really glad to be away from it now because as I was growing up too, you know, you had these Victoria's Secret models. I remember in college, I would walk on the treadmill and I'd watch the show, um, their yearly, uh, what's it called? Um, runway show. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's, I would say, where not people get started with admiring bodies of other women, but that was probably the peak of it for me. I remember having a printout of a Victoria's Secret model and putting it on the fridge as a means to deter me from eating. And when I was really young, I, I mean, I was nine, eight or nine when I went to the doctor and they informed me that my BMI was much higher than it should be. She showed me on a little graph of where I was, where I should be. And at eight or nine, I, and I realized, I think before that, that I was bigger than other people my age. And it was something that I think I was aware of, but I was never insecure of until the years to follow. And I just remember needing to lose weight, but not necessarily wanting to change my habits. I remember little comments like, oh, you shouldn't have ice cream in the evenings. And I was just like such a sweet person. I still am. But as a kid, I would go and reach for ice cream and I would be met with, are you sure you want that? And I'm like, yeah, I do. I want it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm 100% sure. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Right. Um, Those types of comments never really changed my behaviors. I think that if anything, it propels you to want to do those things more. But my first like hardcore diet I remember really doing was this like cabbage soup diet. Oh, no. Did you guys? It's I think it was some rendition of it. It's an old diet. It's been around for so super long where you eat this soup and you can have it whenever you want. It's basically a, a vegetable soup with lots of lots of cabbage. And then on like day one, you can only have vegetables. And then on day two, you can only have fruit. And I was probably 15, 16 at the time. Uh, And Mm. prior to that, I mean, I was just a super active kid. Never anything drastic in terms of dieting, but I've done some horrendous things to my body over the years. I tried the HCG diet where you put these droplets underneath your tongue and you eat 500 calories a day. Like, of course, it's going to freaking work, right? Right. Right. Not because of the drops, but because you're eating in a starvation diet. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I used to, so for anyone who doesn't know, that HCG diet is literally a pregnancy hormone that you take. So it's just like, I remember researching that and thank God I was just young enough where I didn't really have the access to it or understand really how to get it. Um, But I remember looking that up and being like, that's what I need. 
<laughs> yeah. And, and it- when you talk about BMI, I want to like really harp on that because that chart needs to be shredded and thrown somewhere because it's it has it's just so limited. It gives you a height and a weight scale and my actual fitness trainer is considered obese. And if you looked at her, she has an amazing body. So it's a joke. It's it doesn't take into consideration muscle mass it doesn't do anything it's like a ridiculous piece of science that we're still using well right and it was actually created to track the progress of growing babies and for some reason we continued to use that as you grow out of that age group and it's so irrelevant just as you were saying it is more harmful than productive and there's just so many other better markers for determining your health Um, and truly like being overweight or having more fat on your body isn't a marker for a healthy person or an unhealthy person. So it's unfortunate that there's still doctors that take great, um, kind of weight into that. It's so unnecessary. It's so unhelpful. And just weight in general is a terrible marker as well. So I don't know. I just, it hurt me so much as a kid and I can't even imagine how much those can like really create scars and traumatize experiences for kids even now. So it's not, and it's not even a parenting thing. It's a, it's a media thing or society thing. I remember being over a hundred pounds in elementary school and feeling like that was not okay. Or like being 120 and being like, I can't get any, any bigger. Like this is it. And then at what cost too, because, you know, you think of things like the HCG diet or cabbage soup, all these crazy diets out there. And I wanted to be thin or like, quote unquote, socially acceptable and beautiful so badly. I didn't care at what cost. So if you told me, well, that's dangerous, I'd be like, well, it's going to get me there. And like, that's what I want. I don't necessarily want or need to be the epitome of health, I just want and need to look a certain way. Right. And you just triggered a memory of you saying like the hundred pound mark. That's so funny because I'll never forget. I have this vivid memory. I think I was probably 13 or 14. And I was like in the bathroom with my mom and we had a scale of course. And I, I weighed myself and I was like 90 something. And I will never forget out loud saying, if I ever see a hundred on the scale, I will kill myself. That's what I said. And my mom was like, okay, like Uh. just settle down. Like you're going to get a hundred pounds. So I suggest you just like get with it. And I am so small, like I'm 410. So in my mind, I was like, no, I really never need to be a hundred pounds. And here I am weighing 140 pounds currently. And I'm like, oh, you can weigh over 100 pounds. Yeah. And like you said, weight is a really bad marker for things. And I've learned that when I started focusing on strength and eating in a way that I actually enjoy. So I was on a weight loss journey because I personally um, experienced like weight issues for the first time only a couple of years ago, true weight issues, obviously, like mentally, I've had those issues that we all grew up with. But like, when I actually physically, for once, it was actually true that I had to do something that I 
gained weight was because of an antidepressant I took. So I have been on this weight loss journey and I had in my head, I have to be 120 pounds. And when I got to about, actually when I hit the 140 mark, I was like, oh, that literally can't be true anymore. If I lose 20 pounds, no, like I, I personally, just what I prefer. I do not like a skinny look. I like a thicker, stronger build just personally. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, this number means literally nothing because if I ever actually focused on that and got to 120, I wouldn't like what I looked like in a different way. Absolutely. And I went through a very similar experience with weight where it really put it into perspective in a new way for me that really stuck, really hit me differently than it ever had before. And one thing that I think is really important to even just ask yourself, if you're somebody who's listening and you struggle with accepting the number on the weight on the scale or just weighing yourself in general is if that scale number didn't change, but you gained 10 pounds of muscle and you lost 10 pounds of fat, would you still be as upset with the number on the scale as you are right now? Mm -hmm. And that can help hopefully give you some perspective of, okay, it's actually not that number on the scale that's triggering me. It's my association with it. Like, right. So it's not actually that number. It's something different. So instead of pursuing a change on the scale, maybe pursuing a change in body composition, because that means that you're stronger That means that your heart is healthier, you're training harder, you're training longer, right? You're getting all of these positive physiological adaptations from not necessarily just focusing on that scale weight because that's the quickest way to disappoint or deter you from continuing with your goals if that's your marker for progress. Right. And every woman and man I know, if if they have any concern about nutrition, fitness, their weight, their appearance... Every person that uses a scale is triggered by it. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, let's just not do it. Because even me, I do not own a scale. There's a scale at the gym that I go to. But the gym that I go to focuses on, you know, they do like the tape measurer. So you can opt to just do that and not ever get on the scale. So that's what I started doing. Because when I had had a couple good weeks or months of really clean eating and like just naturally, like I was enjoying myself and I never, I just happened to never cheat. I didn't feel like it. I didn't. And I was going, you know, I had weeks where I was hitting my five days a week at the gym that I wanted to. I'd be like, Oh, I bet you the number changed, Mm -hmm. even though I know not to play that game, but I do. Mm -hmm. So I go on the scale and the number's the same. And now I'm spiraling and I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to go eat pizza because what the fuck? Mm -hmm. And it's like, But really, my body looks different. And I had to start taking progress pictures. And like, it shocked me. I'm like, oh, wait, what? Like, that's what happened here? But the scale didn't change. So I'm like, oh, my God, nothing's happening. And this is a waste. And I'm busting my ass. And I'm, I could be eating pizza. And what the hell's the point? Yeah. I mean, and I have clients, too, that I know don't have a positive relationship with the number on the scale. And so we don't use their weight as like a means of tracking progress. And every once in a while, I get a client that texts me and they're like, I was feeling really good. And I just wanted to see like what was happening on the scale. And 
now I'm yeah. so disappointed because it wasn't as much as I wanted it to be. And the truth is, it's never going to be enough. No matter yep. how much change you see. And even if you do see, quote unquote, you know, optimal or like, you know, enough progress for that week. Why are you needing the validation of a number to tell you you're doing a good job? Like, why can't you seek that validation elsewhere or have it be more internal, right? Like, know and understand and see, like, you're making so much or you're putting so much effort into you changing your lifestyles, being healthy, and that change is going to come. And you shouldn't need these external markers as validation for the hard work you're putting in. Right. And I myself have been reminded of that literally just this week because I'm very much an emotional eater. And during the initial like quarantine and shutdown, my nutrition like tanked. Like I had had this like year streak of honestly eating healthy and enjoying it because I I put in the work to like find ways to make typically healthy food taste good because truly, seriously, I cannot lie and say I love dry ground turkey and like grilled chicken for every meal is so fun. Like I can only eat that strict for about a week and then it's over. So I had gone on this year of like the healthiest relationship I've ever had with food. Like I was actually making good choices, but actually enjoying it. And in between having my fun cheat meals and it was like so balanced and great. And then when the quarantine came, everything kind of got wrecked and like I've been struggling and like doing the yo-yo thing and then punishing Mm -hmm. myself with food and then overeating and I've just been on this roller coaster for a few months and I just started working with a um a nutrition coach and she's very much of the same mind like she gives me my macros and she's like literally enjoy if ice cream fits your macros have at it and it's literally been four days and I it does that thing to your mind where you're like oh my God, I think I am looking better. I think mm-hmm. I am tightening up. And like, in reality, have I probably not just, it's been four days, right. <laughs> but I'm like, that's what I need to remember is like how I feel like go away from the scale. Stop with the shenanigans. Stop staring in the mirror. Literally every time you mm-hmm. walk by and just, if you feel good, beautiful, mm-hmm. that's it. Totally. I th- I mean, super relatable because this has been a very stressful and emotional time for so many people. And Having your coping mechanism be food, although not the best coping mechanism, is what potentially is getting you through a pandemic right now. And it serves nobody and you certainly least of all to punish yourself for your response to high stress situations. Yes, we can learn to cope in healthier, better ways. Like that's a great focus moving forward. But, you know... And I'm going through a really like emotional time right now. I'm going through a breakup and we live together and moving out and it's very stressful, but, and I, I've put on some weight. I can't even be mad at myself because I'm so overwhelmed, like emotionally with what's going on that I just don't have the time or like the effort or the energy available to prep my meals or to have things ready that I know will make me feel better. I just am yep. kind of in this like, oh, like constant state of stress. And so it's something that I've been working on myself. To- 
this is not forever for you. Like you're going to feel better once you're in your own space, once you feel safer in your space. So like once I move, I know I'm going to feel better. I know there's an end in sight. I can see it. I know that it's there. And at which point I can have, and I'm sure I will have more energy and, and just more effort and want to do that for myself. But right now, what I can do for myself is give myself permission to feel and experience this part of my life. And I'm sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're fine. This happens almost every time, even when you try your best to like set it up as best as possible. Isn't so when you swipe down on your phone, isn't that moon the like do not disturb? Uh, okay, so I actually was going to tell you this before we started recording and I forgot but truly there have been so many times where I put that on and then the phone call interrupts and I'm like okay so we're just gonna do whatever we want I guess so that's supposed to work right in like in theory got it got it okay cool cool um okay so you were saying that basically you're in a season right now of giving yourself grace and like just there's so much going on in your life that like you currently just don't have the bandwidth to obsess over like meal prepping, for instance. Totally. And I mean, truthfully, if my body changes and I gain weight, lose weight, whatever, like that's the least of my concerns right now, just because, I mean, I put so much work into disassociating my value, my beauty in 10, 15, even 20 pounds weight fluctuations. Like our bodies are created to take us through the seasons of life and not be the sole purpose that we exist here on this planet. Oh man. And that's so important. Like you say that so often on your page and I'm like, yes, remember that like tattoo it on your forehead because (laughs) I've noticed again, even though as a human and as a female, especially I've had the thought of weight on my mind. I mean, since I can remember, but truly experiencing weight issues over the last few years, I have actually noticed, like I've started to really pay attention to my behavior. And so I have a mirror in my room and a mirror in my bathroom, of course. And for however many times I walk in and out of my room, in and out of the bathroom, I look in the mirror and I say something mean every time. And I'm like, I mean, what is happening? And like, how, how have you personally, like, do you have tricks has it just been like true deliberate effort over a period of time like how do you disconnect from that like it's an obsession at the end of the day totally so I I just realized I say totally all the time anyway (laughs) I remember and I can recall this like direct correlation between the amount of time I spent in the mirror and my distaste for the way that I looked so Mm It wasn't ever, I don't think, really a conscious effort. I think dressing in a way that was comfortable and maybe not exposing myself to, like, in the mirror, like, wearing things that are comfortable, right? Nothing that's tight, things that I felt looked good. I wasn't constantly looking at myself in the mirror, picking myself apart. Granted, there's days where you, like, look in the mirror and you're like, ugh, and then you move on, right? Like, you just... Right. (laughs) And that's, I think, the best way to kind of approach your habits in front of the mirror is just don't spend time there. If it's not serving you, don't spend time there or make an intentional effort every morning when you wake up or even set an alarm on your phone to remind you to go into the mirror and say something nice to yourself. Start breaking that habit and creating intention around 
shifting your mind when you look in a mirror. I definitely don't look often unless like I don't even think I would have a full body mirror unless I like if I wasn't on Instagram I don't think that I would have one because I mean I don't care much about fashion I don't care that much about sharing my outfits but when I do like a try and haul or something like that like I it's obviously really nice to have but right there's certainly been in my my past and even in present a direct correlation between how much time I spend in the mirror and how much I start picking myself apart. So if you can minimize that as much as possible, I mean, don't do the things that don't serve you. Right. Right. Absolutely. Now I've seen your, um, pictures from obviously a time in your life when you were obviously in an unhealthy place with like food and fitness, you were like shredded and you had, you know, your abs and all the things, but from everything you've said, that was the worst time for you mentally. Now, did you ever like do fitness competitions or you just looked like that to like walk through life? (laughs) Yeah, no, I competed in multiple bodybuilding shows and it was with a purpose, but you know, as someone who grew up heavier, it was always something that I wanted to experience. I wanted that for myself. And, you know, after countless diets trying to get there, I found bodybuilding. I, started studying sport nutrition, kinesiology in my master's program. And that gave me a whole new insight to this dieting world, which in a way is very similar, like bodybuilding and weight loss in general, like they're, they walk hand in hand. Yeah. There's, you know, there's bulking and there's maintenance, whatever, but Mm -hmm. it's, and again, I mean, weight loss is not a lifestyle and that's something that I have to remind myself too often is, even though I have this expansive perspective of diet culture, weight loss, like I know how to get there. That's not a lifestyle. And even when I was doing it, like I was like, okay, like I could do this, you know, I can track my macros, whatever. But, you know, there came a time, you know, four or so years later, where I was like, I cannot like continue to put this much effort and emotion into an app. Because it was just draining to me instead of really giving me something. So right. disconnecting from that really helped me step into my own confidence and acknowledge that like I had all the information and experience, like I built it to be able to do this without the app. So it was kind of like I needed the hand holding and I wasn't let, ready to let go of my mom's hand, but I like had to, to like grow right. up and get past it. Now, if I understand the the order of the pictures you often post you went from the fitness competitions to like a weight gain and now mm-hmm. you you are where you are now right is that like kind of the correct order of things I would multiply that by like five <laughs> so there so was lots of different things going on <laughs> there was a significant amount of weight loss weight gain weight loss weight gain okay. uh, over the course of a few years yeah and was that just trying to basically come off of competition life or because I can't even imagine like, because I mean, everyone talks about it, who's in that industry and who does those competitions. Like we all know, and they know that you cannot live in that way. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess you like could, but not really. Mm-hmm. So is it because when you're done, you're like, oh, thank God I can finally have like, a slice of bread and like I can drink water again and like 
what do you what do you think caused the weight gain afterwards? So for me, as somebody who has had an eating disorder and has that kind of all or nothing ingrained into their brain, I looked at reverse dieting and even just eating out as failure. So mm-hmm. if I deviated from my macros, even through a reverse diet, I would take it to the extreme. And that brought, brought back a lot of unhealthy behaviors that were from even years past of binging, purging, trying to exercise all of my calories away that I'd overconsumed. And it was just this, like, I, it's, it was so, it felt so out of my control. And I think that anyone who has experience with binge eating or eating disorder or disordered eating behavior, you feel an element of control in Mm -hmm. that, like, you think that, oh, like, once I get to this point, then I'll be okay, I'll be able to stop this behavior, but it just never ends. And so for me, it was bringing back all of those behaviors and emotions, feeling like a failure, and also feeling really out of control of what I was doing, because it felt like the only solution to my problem, which was that I can't control myself. I don't have any discipline anymore, which is the farthest from the truth, because look what I was able to accomplish, right? Like discipline wasn't my problem. Uh, What I was experiencing was my eating disorder coming back. And it was heightened by being very thin, seeing and being in that body. And now wanting that some aspect of that to maintain even though knowing that it's not healthy for me to be there right now i i believe i saw that you follow lauren conlin on instagram is that true yeah i love her okay so weirdly enough i went to high school with her no way i never heard of her we just didn't hear of each other for years and then i came across her and i was like oh shit (laughs) so um, I mean, it was like a surprise on so many levels. She has an incredible business, a huge following and her body. I'm like, you know, we, she was like just a regular little like high school looking girl the last time I saw her. <laughs> so I was like, incredible. And like, so I love following her because I have never done fitness competitions, never will. But it's something that I know a lot of people personally that have done that. And at one point, I used to follow a lot of people who did that. And I think it's so important. Like she is blatantly honest about the issues in that industry and how to overcome it. And I obviously I don't have personal experience being coached by her, but if she's coaching the way she says she is, she's coaching in the healthiest way possible for those people to both do what they want and look the way they want and get the results they want. But like within some kind of like valuing mental health at the same time. So And even physical health, because sometimes people get to that level, which is so ironic, in the most physically unhealthy ways, yet the entire thing is about, like, physical wellness at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So I was curious if, like, what you think of that industry and that world? Like, are you jaded by it? Do you think it shouldn't exist? Or, like, are you hopeful for people like Lauren who are going to change the industry? Like, what do you see? Because I don't even have really an insight. Like, do you see a lot of people becoming um, more like Lauren and coaching in that fashion? Or is she still pretty rare in that world? So, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Lauren. I'm a huge fan of 
you know, Paul, who I think is her, I think they work together in some capacity or they do a podcast together at least, but Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of coaches who do prioritize health above progress, which, uh, I think is beginning to be more and more popular in the bodybuilding world. Granted, you're still going to have your cookie cutter bro diet, chicken and broccoli or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I prepped myself because I was my own coach. I coached myself through all of it because that's what I was studying in school. I was studying also for my thesis. I monitored and did a meta meta analysis on bodybuilders as they prep for their shows and what happened metabolically hormonally and I have a lot of experience in that world so I was able to prep myself in what I would consider to be the healthiest way possible and yet psychologically I was having a significant amount of issues so I don't think that but I don't think that it's a bodybuilding thing I think it's a person-to-person thing whether something it whether it's going to be healthy for you not just from a physical standpoint because Physically, I was very healthy regardless of what I went through or what I put myself through. Like I was, I would say very healthy blood pressure. Um, I did experience like some fatigue, extreme fatigue and feeling faint sometimes. But overall, I was a very healthy prep. But psychologically, I still experienced some very significant problems. So it's not a bodybuilding thing. I think that yeah, there's a great way to go about it. I think if it fits your macros and following, um, you know, an appropriate cut is beginning to, beginning to be more and more popular and beginning to be more of the industry standard. But okay. you're still going to have those old school guys who are preaching and promoting the the old school way of broccoli and, and chicken and whatnot. But I would say you know, it really is a case by case thing, doing it for the right reasons, not doing it to get thin for your wedding, not doing it to get thin for vacation, uh, but really loving the sport and what it's about, which it's unlike anything else. It is a 24 hour a day sport. It takes everything. It is very self absorbed. Mm -hmm. So if you're someone who struggles body image, you're going to struggle even more throughout this process, which was one of the more interesting findings of my study, was that you would think, as, especially from an outsider perspective, you would think that as someone was losing weight, they would become more confident about the way that they looked. But it actually found that the opposite was true, that as they were prepping for shows, they would get more and more critical of themselves. And even though they would see themselves as getting thinner, they would still have the outside perspective of like, I'm not good enough yet. Right. And I, I mean, it makes so much sense, especially you don't even have to be on that level. If you've dealt with any issue like that, it makes so much sense because then you're just chasing this goal that like never is actually attainable because your mind is always like wanting more and more, meaning like less and less weight usually. Mm -hmm. It's Um, yeah. It's never going to be enough. Yeah. Now, did you seek out any, professional mental help then before now or has that kind of been your own personal journey I would I definitely saw a therapist she was an RD and also specialized in eating disorders I think it's so hard because mental health is very expensive to invest in and actually in college I saw just a general counselor as well but it's something that I 
struggle to invest in myself. Not now. I think that I can certainly associate my mental health more strongly with my physical health because I know that they go hand in hand. It's not, oh, like if I just look this way, then I'll feel better about myself. Like I know that not to be true. I know that they very much need equal amounts of attention. But um, even with pursuing like the counseling that I did, it was really hard for me to invest in like so much money when I didn't have a lot. So I hope that there's more affordable counseling that comes up. I'm sure that it exists. And I don't know if you found any resources, but I'd love to make sure that, you know, people get a hold of those resources because if you can invest a little bit in it or if you have better health insurance, great. Uh, But coming from somebody who didn't have great health insurance and um, or their health insurance didn't value mental health, that Mm -hmm. was a really difficult hurdle to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. And while we're on the topic, just for anyone who has those questions, I have not used these platforms myself, so I have little to no information, but I have heard that these new uh, websites and apps like uh, Better Health and like what, I forget what they're called, Uh, but they're like, they're, it's basically therapists via telehealth. So like it's through an app, you can do FaceTime. Um, From what I've heard, those are cheaper than um, typical in-person therapist and something that I've been talking a lot about lately, just with amongst personal friends, because it's funny that all of a sudden now everyone needs a therapist after everything that this year has given us. Um, but something that I always remind people is unfortunately, um, even the best therapists do this, they'll tell you, or their website will say, my rate is 150 an hour. And you're like, mm, uh, no. So you just move on and you don't even do anything about it. But two things. First of all, you have to call your, if you do have health insurance, call them because again, mental health is just not valued properly. So sometimes it's literally something you have to deliberately add on or turn on, which is ridiculous. But I would start with your health insurance. And then after that, if worst case scenario, your insurance simply does not cover it or a therapist does not take your insurance, Ask them about a sliding scale. It's basically a means to help people who might not be able to afford their regular hourly rate. And I mean, I guess from a business perspective, I get why it's not mentioned, but like it's kind of messed up when you say to someone, obviously I just know that world a little bit better than most people. So the therapist that I'm with now, I said, okay, do you have a sliding scale? And I'm now paying half literally half the price and I get sessions every week. I don't get less. I don't, I don't get, there's no difference. Mm -hmm. So that's so helpful. Yep. So that's something really important that I've been telling a lot of my friends to make sure that they ask. So I'm glad you brought that up so that we could share that. Um, Okay. Now I had a plan to ask you a question, (sighs) not knowing your current situation. So please, if you are not interested in discussing this, tell me, Um, I was going to ask you about, I could kind of put together from your Instagram that you were in a relationship of some kind. So my question was going to be geared towards, were you with this person during these weight fluctuations and did it affect your relationship? Did your, was your partner supportive, not supportive? Maybe it was a completely different person you were with. I'm just curious if your 
weight fluctuations ever affected your personal romantic connection? Yeah, I think that that actually is a great question because I get asked it pretty often, I would say. And I was with the, not the same person I was now because I'm not with anybody, but um, <laughs> well, I was with the same person as mm-hmm. I gained and lost weight over the last few years. And it was a really positive experience because he actually was very encouraging of me to gain weight and to go through and really embrace this experience. But more importantly, to embrace life more and enjoy going out to eat embrace that experience together of like oh like this is really great like I mean I'm a big foodie anyway I love talking about food so um, you know <laughs> if we we're going out to a burger we'd be like oh like why is this a really great burger right like we would have these intense conversations about why we were enjoying the food that we were eating which allowed <laughs> for me to be really present with food instead of my go-to with foods that were quote-unquote unhealthy I would almost like black out and just eat food regardless of its taste like yeah it would taste good initially but I wouldn't really experience it fully because I'd have this like in the back of my head this guilt and Mm -hmm. regret of like oh like I'm gonna feel horrible after and you know it kind of reminds me a little bit of what you were saying how like after a couple days you immediately started feeling better uh when you got back on to tracking macros after taking some time off and that's really similar to how I would feel after eating something. It could just be one thing. Like it could be eating a burger, some fries, feeling that fullness would make me feel like I'd gained 10 pounds. Yeah. But then I'd have to remind myself that in an hour, two hours, the next day, I was going to feel like a whole new person. I wouldn't even remember that feeling of, you know, being full having that guilt, it it was a very temporary feeling. And it did not dictate the way that I my body changed, like it wasn't really dictating change. It was more so a way that I was feeling more than anything. Right. Now, the last topic I kind of want to talk about is okay, so I have tried to live in a similar mindset that I see you living in, which is like, you know what, I'm a person and I am going to enjoy some meals and I'm not going to not go out to dinner with my partner to celebrate something. And I'm not going to, you know, like you have these moments where you're confident in what you look like and you're like, guess what? I'm a literal person. So yeah, I have fat on my stomach and my Uh thighs and like, I'd rather be this way than stick skinny. And like, I, I have those days truly, which I know you do as well, just from what you post, but I guess I want to know, I guess where you're at currently, is that hard for you to maintain? Like, I don't know if you want to break it down by percentage. Like, do you mostly truly feel that way? Um, Because I also know you have struggle days because you're really honest about that as well, which I appreciate and admire. So what's kind of like your current reality? Like, how often are you struggling versus truly feeling like I am literally beautiful because you are the way you are yeah I would say maybe it's like 80 20 80 percent of the time I just don't even think about my body I'm just like well here's what I am doing here's the other things that I'm focusing on which are you know the relationships in my life the experiences that I want to have you know what all what all is going on in the world like I'm so detached from my 
aesthetic and kind of physique self. Uh, and then the other 20% of the time I'll, you know, see myself in the mirror or I'll be doing a workout. I'll be like, well, I'm not as fit as I used to be <laughs> or like, you know, this you me like, oh, this is fitting kind of small. And I'll ha- that'll kind of spiral me a little bit. But then I'm like, well, do I want to go on a diet? No. And that's the farthest thing from what I do want to do because I know that me dieting, me intentionally trying to lose weight is something that will never serve me. It won't serve me anymore, but I do know how to take care of myself. So you know, right now I mentioned, you know, I just don't have the energy to eat a lot of great stuff. I'm really just flying off the seat of my fucking pants right now. So, yeah. Um, so I know I can do better to take care of myself and I know that I will get there. But right now doing the best that I can is enough for me. So I'm allowing myself that wiggle room of okay if my body does change I know it'll change back once I um you know really start honing more in on just taking care of myself so yeah. I just kind of look at it that way and, and I'm giving myself permission to feel and experience this really tough time in my life mm-hmm. granted I'm very at peace with the direction that this is going I know that it's the best thing for me I know that it's the right thing to do. And so I'm really focusing on that. And, you know, if I do have a bad day, it's likely because, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling my best and not feeling my best really is not fueling my body with the things that it needs. I'm just kind of doing the bare minimum right now to keep up. And, um, and that's okay with me, not for the rest of my life, because I do want to feel better. I want to feel really great all the time if I can. So, but you know, that's also, you know, with the holidays coming up too, like there's going to be those days or even weeks where maybe you're not prioritizing getting whole nutrient dense foods into your diet. And that's okay for a short time. Like there will also come a time where you're like, Oh, I feel like shit, you know, like I need to for myself and looking at it from the perspective of like, I get to take care of myself instead of, oh, like I need to lose weight, which is a conversation I've had with myself so many times. Like, oh, I'm getting so fat or, oh, like I'm so gross. Mm -hmm. No, it's just like, I just don't feel good. So changing the conversation in my head too of, it's not about how I look, it's about how I feel. And that's what I want to shift and change and do better to take care of. And that is the realest thing because, like I said, I just started this nutrition coaching four days ago and I thought it would be really fun to, like, eat myself to death beforehand. Uh And literally on, like, the the night before, I was like, I want to die. I can't wait to just eat, like, a normal person. (laughs) Like, nothing about it was enjoyable. Like, I literally ate the food and 10 minutes later, my stomach was destroyed and Mm -hmm. I'm like why do we like do these weird ass things to ourselves that we think are going to be like a really good time and we know really how it ends literally every single time but we still do it and I mean that's so important too to change the conversation of like and for me now like going out to eat like yes sometimes I make decisions that aren't gonna be the best for me an hour later but 
I look at things differently instead of I can't have that. It's I just don't want that because I know how that's going to make me feel. And like I said, it doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes I make the quote unquote wrong decision that sends me into a fetal position on my bed. But but most often I'm like, no, like I know what's going to happen. Like I don't want to do that. Or I'm like, you know, I'll have a little bit, you know, there's different, there's a different flow of conversation that I'm having within my head. That's far from what used to be. I can't have that. And now it's, oh, I just don't really want that. Or I do really want that. Right. It's, it's not a black and white, good or bad situation anymore. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. So last, last question for reals. (laughs) Do you believe that you obviously have a pretty significant following on Instagram and, you know, you are looked at as someone like, you know, it, the basis of your page is nutrition and health and fitness and all of that. So do you feel that that has brought you and it could change by the day? So maybe that's your answer, but do you feel that it brings you pressure? Does it bring you motivation? Are there some days where you're like, I cannot stand that I'm that person for people? Like, how has that, it's just a lot of people looking at you and a lot of, I would interpret it as pressure. So how does, how does that feel for you? Uh, it does feel like pressure sometimes, but not to show up in a certain way, but sometimes just to show up at all. And I think this is a phase of my life too, where it's been harder for me to show up in certain ways. Like I haven't been showing my face as much. And if I do, it's more just partnerships, just because I'm going through something that is personal. And once I think I get through it more, I'll be able to share that more with with everybody. But for right now, it's something that I am keeping more to myself. And eventually I'll get to that point where I feel like I can share because I'll be over it more. I'll be past it more. Um, But there is that pressure to show up even when you don't want to, which is really, really difficult for me. And, but I've learned too, you know, after years of being on social media and using it as my platform for my business, in terms of coaching, not even in terms of like any other brand partnerships and things like that. I've been able to give myself more and more grace, the more I've done this in understanding that, you know, as a viewer, or as someone who's seeing the content that I put out there, no one really notices if you take a day off, you know, no one's like, where was she today? Like, I don't think at least that's not what I think happens. Like if I'm looking at it from more of a rational standpoint, I don't think that that's happening outside of, you know, for anybody else watching my content. I don't think anyone's like, oh, I wonder what she's up to or like really cares that much. Right. So the pressure I put on myself is purely self-inflicted. So that's something that I'm certainly working on and have developed better relationship with social media and maybe not feeling like I have to post all the time, but there are certain times where I'm like, oh, I'm so on fire. Like I'm, lit up by you know how I feel and I want to share that with everybody and you know this is something that's been really empowering for me so I want to share it but then there's other times where I'm just like well here's workout (laughs) and so and that's fine too right like it's all content and it's all you know what I want to provide and it's just different for how I show up sometimes like I'm sure you can tell like there's certain times where I'm like well today's gonna be an off day (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And like, I, not necessarily fitness people, but like, I don't know if you'll know these names, but like, 
they're like basically YouTubers. Uh, Salise Rose, Bretman Rock. I follow them. They're hilarious. And I have seen them so many times. Had to, mind you, they have like 10 million followers. So it's a different level. But they'll have to come on and apologize for not posting. And I'm like, oh, hell no. Like, mm-hmm. people have to have some boundaries. Like, the, the, the people with the following have to have boundaries. But the people who are supposedly fans of people mm-hmm. have to have a boundary too like if you're such a fan of someone and you admire them like you should value their space and their mental health like to be literally posting 24 hours a day and believe that you are entitled to that type of access to someone like social media has really like confused the hell out of some people in my opinion and I'm it's so good to know that you are you know kind of following your own boundaries and I truly hope you continue to do so because at the end of the day if you disappear for a week like we're all gonna be okay (laughs) you deserve if I mean I struggle with mental health issues and I know those days where you're like I'll see my best friend calling and I'll have to text them and say I don't have the energy to speak out loud Mm -hmm. like love ya call ya tomorrow so like Mm -hmm. you have the right to do that with the people who follow you as well and you don't owe anyone like even an explanation as to where you've been for a week so yeah so I'm glad that it's at least not yet (laughs) affecting you in that way no and and kind of what you're saying though it almost bothers me when I hear people say like sorry I've been so MIA yes like stop apologizing for something that you shouldn't feel sorry for same thing with when people come on their stories and they're like sorry I look so bad like what I, like no one's thinking that right and then why are you apologizing for it is just it it bothers me a little bit when I see it yeah okay you just reminded me of a question that I I did want to answer so I'm just going to keep saying last question <laughs> um so at one point probably a couple months ago now you posted like a series of stories how you had like played with the filters for the first time and you mm-hmm. were like this is kind of devastating like mm-hmm it makes you look so beautiful and like, but you're already beautiful, but then you see this more beautiful version of you and you're like, Oh, well, okay. So now I'm sad. Like that's not my face. And I see people who literally post with those filters that do weird things to like your eyes and your lips every time. And I'm like, but why? Like I'm someone who I would rather (laughs) like be less attractive on social media. And when you see me in person, you're like, (laughs) she's cute. As opposed to like the reverse where you think I'm like, a supermodel and you see me and you're like, Oh, that's different. Like, I don't know. To me, I just think the opposite. I'm like, I want to look like a frumpy potato on social media so that in person you're like, Oh, she puts herself together. How nice. Uh, No. Yeah. I have this mixed feeling because there was a movement at one point where this like Photoshopping and that face tune app, which should be deleted from the planet came into being And there was a lot of discussion. And I do believe in the people's right to post whatever the hell they want. And if you want to edit your photos and change your body and distort your face, because literally it makes you feel better, I guess you literally have that right. And at the end of the day, we absolutely, I want to be a person that has no judgment towards others, but I have a hard time. Like I battle between the two where I'm like, yeah, why are we being concerned about who edits their photos? That's their right. And it's, not for us to talk about. And then there's the other side where, especially people who have a following, uh, I mean, it's like you have a responsibility of some kind at some point. 
And to dishonestly say, like, this is what you look like, I don't know. Like, I think it really is part of all the issues that a lot of us have faced by seeing these people. Totally. And there I go again saying totally. (laughs) But... (laughs) What I'm thinking, you know, that this is from my purely my own experience. I was watching one of my friends use a filter and I was like, wow, like she just looks so glowy. Like she looks so good. I was like, it must be the most subtle filter. Like she still looked like herself. I was like, wow, like this is an amazing filter. And I put it on myself and I was like, oh, like this actually feel like I literally felt like I was like a someone who was run down and had bags under their eyes like on the brink of their deathbed yes and and then I put this filter on and I was like I'm a fucking angel like yeah (laughs) and I was like wow like this made me feel like shit (laughs) so I had that moment of just trying on a filter and being like fuck and there was nothing wrong with just the natural selfie mode like I was feeling fine before I put that filter on so it was my own very you know my own experience and it was short-lived I don't use filters I just don't think that they are helpful for me and that's my choice right but then I can also look at it from the perspective of like I looked at this filter on my friend and I thought that it was just supernatural and then I'm like it's not though like I put it on myself and it was not so that really skewed my perception of like wow, she looks really great. Not to say that she didn't look great or she wouldn't look great without it. I don't think that anyone needs it or should feel like they need it. But then you also have this other side where people are literally going and getting plastic surgery based on the changes that they're seeing in these filters. It's bonkers. Yes, and it scares me. It's building and perpetuating this negative relationship we have with ourselves and with how we see other people. Because if you're constantly bombarded with these filters you see other people using them and you think that they look great and then you want to look great too well then you're continuing to not just watch people who have these adjustments and filters but then you're also putting it on yourself to feel like you need to have them too right so I don't post a lot of like videos of me talking usually but I have this thing where my episodes come out every Tuesday. So every Tuesday morning, I roll out of bed, I don't brush my hair, and I'm like, it's Tuesday. And every Tuesday, I use a filter because I have gotten to a point where there was actually a point where literally, if I sent my boyfriend a picture of myself, I would go into Snapchat, put on the filter that's super natural looking, like you mm-hmm. said, I download, save the photo, and I send that to him. Like I stopped using my regular camera and I've had to like teach myself to stop doing that. But like I, every time I post a video of myself, I'm still using a filter. So, and I, it's obvious, like there's little speckles and spots and shit going on all over the screen. Uh But at one point I, someone sent me a message about how amazing my skin was. And I was like, Oh no, no, no. So then I posted a new one and I was like, this is my hormonal acne. Thank you for visiting. Like, Uh I I felt so guilty all of a sudden. I was like, God forbid I'm doing that thing to someone else that I've felt from other people where I'm like, how does their skin look like that? Yeah. (laughs) You're like, what the hell's going on in my face? Like what's, even though my skin's barely an issue compared to like 
what it has been in the past and what it could be. And, but I look at people's faces and I'm like, why does it look like that? Mm -hmm. So like all of a sudden I felt so bad. I'm like, someone thinks my face looks like that. Let me, let me help them. Like, sure. It sure as hell does not. (laughs) So yes, it's it's just this weird balance between like feeling responsible for being authentic and like sending the right message. And then also like just wanting to feel like not a scary potato. Like it's just, (laughs) and it feels like such a small thing to just not use a filter, but even when it comes to posting more like quote unquote or some people say oh you're so brave to post like a photo of like your stomach hanging out and I'm like it doesn't feel brave it just feels fucking real and yeah I'm like the fact that we now consider being a human brave I'm like oh we've gone down right but that's just I mean that's where we're at right now with like social media just media in general but when I first started posting and there was a certain time where I would only post throwback pictures because I was so disgusted with my body outside of competing. And once I really started just being a normal human, like really just allowing myself to be healthy and living in the body that I was in and kind of like just promoting that fearing those things about myself as well. So it feels like a small thing not to use a filter or to kind of, I don't want to say expose yourself in a way that maybe you haven't before, but to embrace, you know, the roles when you sit or the cellulite on your legs or whatever it may be that you're so insecure about, the more you hide those things, the more you're going to build that insecurity and the more it's going to feel like it's not okay or that like you don't want to see those sides of you the sides of you that are very perfectly normal and healthy and human uh, but the more we hide them and we try and pretend like they don't exist the more insecure we become with those things yeah absolutely and like truly thank you for doing those little things because in the world we're in they're literally not little anymore Mm -hmm. and it's I don't know it's just really special that you do that I could literally Feels like I could talk to you for four hours, but I will set you free. <laughs> um, you are absolutely beautiful. Your body is my current goals because you're a healthy, strong. You have thick thighs, which I'm in love with. Like, it's all good. So I appreciate you. I appreciate the sprinkles you put on every protein shake. <laughs> I appreciate the cookies. You actually sent me a recipe at one point. And I was like, yes. <sighs> so... I really appreciate your time and thank you so much for being honest and vulnerable and sharing with me today. And that's it. I want, uh, if you want to like plug your Instagram or if you have a website or anything at all that you want to share with people. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I love these kinds of conversations and my greatest hope is that someone listens and they benefit from it. So Thank you for opening up this medium of conversation and chatting with me. I am on Instagram at the Sam plan, super simple. And it's usually where I share the most content. I do have a website where I do have a blog, training guides and recipe books. So uh, and that is the Sam Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much again. And I hope to talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thank you. Bye. Bye.